Brahmins have only a small farm, they raise many animals and fowl, such as chickens, ducks, turkeys, and purebred dogs, goats, and rabbits. Farm Commons. Welcome to the Farm Commons Podcast. This episode is farming like you mean business. It's about business entities. You probably chose to go into farming because you have dreams, visions of living a particular life. But to realize those dreams, you need to think about the business of farming. And that's not always the same level of visionary fun as watching your plants grow and harvesting them. But a good business entity will make all those things possible. Today, we'll talk about those business entities, which ones might work best for you, how to fulfill your obligations once you have a business entity, and what resources you can explore to learn more about it. At Farm Commons, we look at these issues through the lens of legal risk management and the relationships that you form in your community. Both of those questions are extremely important in choosing the right business entity for your farming enterprise. There are two facets to business entity knowledge for your farming. The first is choosing a business entity for your farm, and the second is the various types of management of that entity. A sole proprietor or partnership is what you already have. If you're selling any product or service and do nothing at all, you have a sole proprietorship. If you're doing it with someone else, you have a partnership. It's a sole proprietorship if it's just one of you. If there's more than one of you and you're combining resources and splitting the profits in any kind of arrangement, then you have a partnership. Those are default business entities. What's the name of your business? Well, if you're just doing business under your own name, you don't need to do anything. I'm just Matt. But if you want the business to have a special name like Matt's Delicious Eggs, then you have to register it, publish a notification, and this is usually called registering a trade name. Normally, you do that with your county or sometimes also with your state. So why do anything else? Why have anything but a sole proprietorship or partnership? Well, we're going to explore that in detail in this episode. We're going to be hearing from Rachel Armstrong and Aaron Hannum. Rachel is the founder and executive director of Farm Commons, and Aaron is our lead research attorney. And we also want to talk to Todd. He's a Montana farmer and a friend of Farm Commons who's made the transition from sole proprietor to limited liability company or an LLC. I asked all three of these folks why many farmers stay where they're at as sole proprietors or partnerships. I think there are a couple of different forces at play that that influence farmers to stick with sole proprietorships and partnerships um, around the country. One of the factors that I see is simply tradition. That's uh, that's what people are familiar with. That's what they've done before. Um, they might have, uh, you know, a, a relative or a partner who's had a sole proprietorship, and so they understand the dynamics of that. Or maybe they have a nice partnership agreement that they have uh, seen from a relative, and um, it looks like a good a good way to go. That tradition isn't just between family members and, and business associates, but also between um, rural profe- professionals. So uh, tax preparers, um, you know, are accustomed to uh, doing farm taxes as a sole proprietorship or a partnership, and um, those trajectories continue. It's not simply ignorance or blind blind adherence to tradition. Many farmers look 
look at the obligations of forming another entity like an LLC or a corporation, and they say, you know what, I have always written all of my checks from the same bank account, and it's not worth it to me to switch. So if I've got to do that, you know, I'm just not sure the trade-off is really there for me. I'm not worried about liability risk. I have good insurance. I'm just going to skip that. And I prepare my own taxes, so I don't, you know, I don't need to learn new form. It's complicated enough. Some farmers are perhaps intimidated or just, just not wanting to go through the formalities and are, are rather wanting to have a more casual relationship with their business partners, whether it be their spouse or even their friends or relatives that they're going into business with, and don't necessarily want to go through these formal steps because they fear that it's kind of an indication of a level of, of distrust or something bad will happen, that they just want to establish a sole proprietorship or partnership because that's just how they feel comfortable doing it. Now, since at Farm Commons we're mainly concerned with managing risks and forming good relationships, Rachel and Aaron see the desire to stick with simple business entities as reflecting the way both beginning and established farmers often perceive risks. The assumption that the simplest and most discreet business entity is the least risky. People, farmers, not just farmers, people just have a fear of, of entering the formalities and contracts with friends and people that they, they work closely with. They would just rather not go through that formality. I see that happen in partnerships sometimes as well, especially if you have two different enterprises, two different farm enterprises that are considering um, joining forces for some sort of unique um, offering, like maybe they want to do a multi-farm CSA or one wants to experiment with distributing the other's um, products into town or something like that. I think sometimes there is a misconception that you might be more of a target if you create an entity than if you don't. And I think sometimes this misconception is the fault of attorneys and other well-meaning advisors. They will say things like, well, the sole proprietorship doesn't really uh, exist. The partnership doesn't really exist. Those are not legal entities. Not, not to say they're illegal, but that they're, they're nothing. They're, they're just into the ether. Well, that can sound like a good thing. Well, okay. I mean, if, if, if my partnership with my neighbor to distribute our products into town doesn't really exist, then you can't really sue us, right? That is a very logical conclusion. It's not accurate, um, you certainly can still be sued for any liability that that, that distribution operation incurs, uh, but it's it's understandable why why that misconception sometimes sometimes pops up. Folks feel that sole proprietorships and partnerships fly under the radar, whereas you're throwing up a red flag to the state and the IRS when you form an entity. But in fact, in many instances, it's less risky, much more protective and proactive to form LLCs or simple corporations, because those entities put a legal wall between you and your business. Under a sole proprietorship or partnership, your personal assets are going to be exposed to your business liabilities. In other words, if someone sues your business or if your business has unpaid debts, your own assets, your house, your personal wealth, can be used to satisfy those liabilities. The court will take business asset first, but if there's not enough there, then your summer cabin, your stocks, your vehicles, even your house might be up for grabs. For those who like, you know, the belt and suspenders approach, who prefer a more robust risk management strategy and don't mind those trade-offs, those folks are pretty compelled to form LLCs and corporations. In other words, 
if you want to supplement the other protections of your assets that you already have and substantially decrease the risk of losing personal assets because of business plans not working out, then moving up from a sole proprietorship or a partnership into some other business entity is a good idea. And keep in mind, with a partnership, a simple partnership, your exposure to liability multiplies. Your business partner could make a mistake that you'd have to pay for. Again, if you don't have a wall separating your personal and business assets. Todd, a farmer in Montana, agrees. My name's Todd Yolizio, and I am co-owner of Two Bear Farm in Whitefish, Montana. Uh, we are a 60-acre certified organic vegetable farm with about 16 acres in production. Uh, we do primarily a CSA, over 200 CSA members, uh, three farmers markets within the valley, and a little bit of wholesale. Uh, basically, to get my start, I grew up on a small vegetable farm. Although it wasn't a commercial operation, it was two and a half acres of vegetables. Although I never thought I would be a farmer as an adult. I went to school, I have a degree in accounting, and that wasn't really what I was looking for. I ended up getting another degree in wildlife biology and worked in that field for about eight years. And then ultimately, sort of that interest in outdoors and conservation and having some experience in a farm setting from being a kid uh, eventually led me back to starting uh, my own farm back in 2007. My wife, Rebecca, and I are now entering our 10th year of vegetable farming. And the first six years of that was at a farm in Eureka, Montana called Ten Lakes Farm, which was a sole proprietorship that operated on leased land. And then about three years ago, we moved our whole operation and took on an outside investor, and we moved to Whitefish, Montana, uh, renamed the farm to Bear Farm. We now operate as an LLC. Todd agrees both with the reasons so many farmers never incorporate beyond a sole proprietorship or partnership, but he also agrees with why they ought to consider making those moves. Farming is a business, and it's, I know farmers don't always like to accept that fact. And like you said, they're in it typically for other reasons. They like the stewardship side of it and having their hands in the soil. They don't want to really deal with the numbers and the sales and all the customer service that goes with it. But I think at the end of the day, you know, depending what your goals are, you know, that business side of it uh, really is the crux in the whole uh, situation. A lot of farmers are resistant, uh, whether it's from bookkeeping or legal issues. You know, that's not the area that they feel comfortable in. And maybe they try to fly under the radar or, you know, just not focus on it. But I do, I do think... You know, having a farm, especially when you're under the pressures of growth, you know, focus, focusing on those issues is really key to your success. Todd's own experience began with a sole proprietorship. We started, like most farms, we started really small. Our, I believe our first year, we only ended up cultivating about a half an acre. We had about 24 CSA members. We were starting with an old hay field. You know, there wasn't much money coming in. You know, by default, we were sole proprietors. You know, and it's hard at that stage to really think too far down the road as to what sort of entity is going to best fit your situation. Ten years later, right, you're just kind of in survival mode and you're trying to establish yourself. So it wasn't really until a few years in, uh, the first thing that really started to come to mind is, we started to have more CSA members. We started to do more farmers markets with the concern about uh, liability, you know, and the thought of 
having personal assets at risk due to something that might go wrong on the farm is what starts to lead, and I think it leads all farmers to begin to consider, you know, the asset protection that's provided by LLCs or S-Corp. When we brought on another uh, member to the farm, another owner, for us, that was the obvious time, both to deal with that liability protection, you know, as well as to take care of the change in ownership. You know, an LLC at that point made much more sense to us. And so it was time for Todd's farm business to grow, and that meant evolving his business entity, since he was more conscientious of risk and liability. It does let the IRS know that something exists there. But the IRS, of course, could discover that the sober proprietorship or partnership exists. So it's not really less risky to stick with a sole proprietorship or partnership. If you do business, you do business. The question is how you want to structure your enterprise, cover your liability, and work with others. And keep in mind, we're barely scratching the surface with the analysis in this podcast. You should check out our free materials to learn more. To begin with, let's examine LLCs, limited liability companies, and simple corporations. With those entities, personal assets are protected from business liabilities. The premise is that you created something other than yourself, so that business is now the thing. It's not you anymore. If someone has a court judgment against the business for an injury suit or an outstanding debt, then the court can only go after business assets, equipment, etc. LLCs can also have as many members as you want them to. You can be the only member if you want. You can have different classes of members. And unlike more sophisticated corporate forms, you aren't required to have annual meetings uh, with notes like you are with corporations. Although it may be a good idea to do it anyway with an LLC. Now, many farmers also have S corporations. One of the other questions that I see pop up a lot in uh, Farm Law 101 and other programs that we that we offer on Farm Law is whether an LLC or an S corporation is easier. I think when a lot of people start thinking about going for um, for an entity that offers some personal liability protection, they quickly realize, all right, my options are the corporation or the LLC. Then they start thinking, okay, which one, you know, which one should I do? It tends to be common knowledge that LLCs are um, easier and more flexible. Well, that common knowledge isn't always accurate. So we do spend a fair bit of time um, talking through, okay, what points of flexibility does an LLC really offer? What ease of use can you have in an LLC? And do you want to take advantage of that ease of use? Or is it in your best interest to perform the documentation that's required for a corporation anyways? Those are excellent questions, um, and we, we talk through a lot of misunderstandings that, uh, that folks have sometimes about the differences between LLCs and corporations. I definitely encourage folks to go read our resources in detail to get this for themselves. But if anyone wants a a spoiler alert, for most traditional farm businesses, direct-to-consumer, agritourism, all these kinds of things, for most farm businesses, 
either an LLC or a corporation are perfectly fine choices. Sometimes it just comes down to which one is cheaper to form at the state level and which one has the more affordable annual fees. But legally speaking, the uh, the differences between the LLC and the corporation are not that determinative for most farm businesses. So folks just pick whichever one they feel more comfortable with and, uh, and uh, that's fine. But of course, definitely go check out all of our thorough resources that explain exactly why that's the case. S corporations allow you to sell a certain class of stock in the corporation where shareholders can get a return on their investment. And an S corporation has to have officers, like a real corporation. Annual meetings and meeting minutes are required. Of course, at Farm Commons, like like I said before, we say you should do this even if you're an LLC or other business entity. Sure, it seems silly, especially if you're the only person, the one person uh, in the whole organization and you hold meetings and you document that the decisions are made and stuff. Uh, But we want to demonstrate that we're behaving as corporate or business entities, right? Rather than just ourselves. Because as Rachel says, if it looks like a duck and it waddles like a duck and it quacks like a duck, then it's a duck. And so acting like a business makes your effort to separate business assets from personal assets more authentic. There are also tax benefits available with LLCs and S-Corps. You should talk to an accountant about all of this. The advice of an accountant, and for that matter, the advice of an attorney at key stages of your business evolution is a really good idea. Now let's talk about organizational documents. If you have a partnership, you should write up a partnership agreement. If you have an LLC, you should write up an operating agreement. If you have a corporation, you need to write bylaws and a shareholder agreement. And if you have a cooperative, you also need to write bylaws. You will want to talk through these questions as you write these documents. Questions like, what is everyone contributing to the business financially? How do we make big decisions? Like if we want to take on a debt, does everyone have to agree? Or just the majority? Or do we give one person the ability to make all those decisions? What do we do with profits or losses? Do we split them down ownership lines? What if someone decides they want to leave the business? How will their ownership be bought out and when? Is there a process for bringing new owners into the business? Do we want to write any additional policies like job descriptions or quality standards? So that's all done and then your decisions are memorialized into a document. You want to use plain language statements like, we will split profits evenly. Of course, attorney review is going to help ensure that these documents are going to be consistent and enforceable. So all of this raises that human question. You are bringing other humans into your business. How does that feel? How does that land for you? This evolution was a big part of Todd's journey. We did have to sit down with lawyers and draft up you know, articles of incorporation and figure out ownership arrangement. Uh, but now that it's done, it just feels like a much better situation. You know, if it's a family member versus someone you don't even know, you know, that it's, it's different for each situation. But in, in our case, we were bringing on someone from the community who had very little experience in dealing with. And so, like you said, you need to be very specific about not just the, not just the financial side of it, but in terms of know how much money is coming in uh is there a rate of return is there interest or dividend but you also have to understand what the expectations of that person are farmers tend to be fiercely independent and we love our autonomy and so when you bring in an outside person you now have that person's views that you have to 
take into account. Sometimes they might be a silent partner on farm management. Other mm-hmm. times they might want to be very active. I think you also have to take into account, I think there's always going to be a little bit more pressure on you financially and just financial decision making. It's easy when you're making decisions just for yourself in your own farm. It might be a little bit easier to make uh, financial decisions, but when you're starting to think about, you know, there's a third person, it makes you slow down and really uh, take that into account. Finally, remember the legal risks. Those situations in which courts can choose to reach around the entity and take your assets away. For example, if you don't keep a separation between personal and business expenses. If you pay for things that are personal out of the business account. This is going to be hard for some farmers, and if you're not willing to do this, the benefit may not be there for you. You could also be in trouble if you don't capitalize the operation enough. Uh, or if you personally guarantee the debts of the company with your personal assets, or if you grossly mismanage the business. And before we conclude, here's a little epilogue to the discussion of business formation. The takeaway is that LLCs and corporations can protect you from personal liability, but your primary risk management tool is insurance, effectively insuring your farm and effectively insuring your business. Choosing a business entity wisely is an important risk management strategy for any farm, but it's actually what what we like to call a second line of defense. It's not necessarily your first and most important risk management strategy. If you have an LLC or a corporation, you certainly can be sued for any liability for which you might potentially be liable. So, you know, if there's an accident, there's a slip and fall, there's a food safety incident, whatever, perhaps your personal assets are ultimately protected from that liability. But you still have to get yourself through court. You have to navigate the lawsuit, the liability. You're up at night. You're stressed out. You're trying to figure out what's going on. That's not necessarily a place you want to be. Your primary risk management strategy for bad things that can happen to your farm is, of course, insurance. And so on two other podcasts in our 2017 series, we will explore how and why to insure your farm business and we'll have tips for getting good insurance policies. You know, I'm here because I always enjoy hearing your responses, Rachel. I learn a lot from them, so I'm I'm here. (laughs) Okay, okay. Farm Commons is more than just an informational website. It's a whole multimedia library. Everything we offer on the site is absolutely free. Go to farmcommons.org, click resources, then sign up for a membership. That membership is free, and once you're a member, you get to download as many materials as you want, need, or think that you'll be able to listen to and read. This includes farmer's guides to all kinds of corporate and business entities. We have the farmer's guide to cooperatives. We have the Farmer's Guide to S-Corporations, the Farmer's Guide to C-Corporations, Farmer's Guides to LLCs, even guides to sole proprietorships and partnerships. Listen to Rachel because she's going to tell you where to start. The first resource I would recommend that uh, any farmer check out when they are pondering um, the right business structure or business entity for them is a little document called Choosing a Business Entity 
flowcharts. Now, this is available at our website. We're pretty proud of it. I think it's pretty easy to use. Uh, it's a series of yes or no questions that will uh, walk a farmer through uh, the basic questions they need to ask, and it will steer them towards what may be an appropriate entity choice. Once they get to the conclusion, they can figure out which of our more advanced resources is the right one to, uh, to download and read in detail. If a farmer arrives at an LLC is the right choice, then I'd recommend, of course, going to get the Farmer's Guide to LLCs or maybe uh, the Farmer's Guide to S-Corporations or Sole Proprietorships and General Partnerships. For those that really love this subject, you can get the flowchart um, and the individual chapters for all of the different entity options in our large manual. It's a really good resource, but it, it, it is quite substantial. The large guide is called the Farmer's guide to choosing a business entity it's a really robust one and we also have a lot of audio materials for farmers that prefer uh, audio material for because they're on this podcast so maybe that's the way they like to uh, like to get their information you can always go listen to our old episode uh, the what why and how of choosing and organizing a business entity for the farm a nice option for folks who prefer podcasts to print material your business entity is a reflection of your purposes and aims, your values, and your relationships with your partners and customers. We hope that this episode will be helpful in your decisions and the steps that you end up taking to realize your farming dreams. We have not and will not cover everything in these podcasts, and we aren't giving legal advice. Talk to an attorney if you have specific questions about your farming situation. This material is funded in partnership with the U.S. Department of Agriculture Risk Management Agency. Music comes courtesy of Huma Huma and Jason Shaw and Audionautics Music under a Creative Commons license. The Executive Director of Farm Commons is Rachel Armstrong. Our lead research attorney is Aaron Hannum, and I'm Matt Stannard. Want to contact us? Visit farmcommons.org and click Contact.